name's Sid Garza Hillman, and this is what I think. Took a cold shower this morning. Feeling, feeling good. Feeling uh, good. Had a little coffee this morning. Um, having another coffee now. Just giving you the play-by-play. Okay, day three. Day three of the daily podcast. All right, guys, thanks. That's it for today. <clears throat> one person told me that they exercise uh, for the length of one of my podcasts. And so I could just make them very out of shape by just making these podcasts just supremely short, just seven seconds. And they're just, I don't know why I'm not getting, my heart rate isn't, my numbers aren't improving. My zone two heart rate. Mm. Um, likewise, I could cause them stress by making the podcast too long. Do you see how I did that? Because I'm about the sweet spot of stress. Too much, too little, no good. Make the podcast too long. They stress themselves out too little. They're stagnant. And I have been the cause of that. Uh, both of those issues, two sides of the same coin, if you will. Um, I love the Greeks and I'm not going to, you know, I, well, I love the Greeks. I'm not going to, I'm not going to apologize for that. Okay. I, I don't know if you guys know that about me. I'm a big Grecophile. Been a Greece a couple of times and that's frankly plenty, right? I mean, to make you a, an expert on Greece, I think two visits is just going to be just sufficient. Um, the reason I'm talking about that is because uh, the, the what I'm going to talk about today was sent to me by an email from a, a, a guy who was my best friend growing up all through college. He lives, a, he's got a kid and, a, and married and down somewhere else. I think he's down in LA. He moves around a lot. He has, he, sometimes in Greece. I'm up here, but he's just, a, you know, he's family to me in my brain. He's family in my brain. But when I was growing up, um, he was my best friend and all the way, like I said, through college, I would go to Greek Easter. That was when I ate things like lamb and ouzo. I would just eat ouzo. That's how much I love ouzo. I'd eat it. I'd drink it, then I'd eat it. Um, his mother, just the quintessential Greek mom. One time I was so drunk at a Greek Easter off ouzo that I apparently just sat down to play a piano, which I can play a little bit, but not that night. And she was just, well, he always going to play, just trying to be polite. And I was banging on the keys. Only time I've ever woken up not knowing where I was. That was the only time. So do I, is it because of the Greek people? A little bit. There's a little bit. I don't want to, I'm not blaming them per se, but let's take a little bit of responsibility for what they did to me that night. I think that's fair also. Uh, my, when my kids, when we, when I did that show, oh, by the way, I posted the, um, the Sid Hillman Quartet documentary, put it on YouTube. I'm starting to transfer some, not all. But some of the Vimeo videos I'm going to put on the YouTube channel. It, it's neither here nor there. Just letting you, letting you know. Anyhow, so last year I did that. You guys know about the show I did. And band got together for the first time in 14 years. But we took the, Lisa and I took the kids to UCLA. Lisa and I both went to school there. I graduated a year before she did. Started the same year, by the way. I'm not... Look, am I saying... Am I judging saying that I'm a little bit better because I graduated a year before she did? I'm just, Yes. Mm. Took her five, took me four years to do what took her five years. Okay, now she spent a year in Spain, but I'm not gonna. That's a technicality to me. That's a that's a you know that's an excuse. Anyway, we were walking the kids around UCLA and went to Kirkoff Hall, which is where a couple things where I did most of my studying with the, my buddy. I'll say his name, James. Uh, we would go to that was kind of where we would frequent. 
you know, you find your little place, big, big campus, lots of people, but you find your little community and your little, your little pocket. I did that in Los Angeles too, by the way, you can kind of find your familiarity and your, your familiar faces, no matter where, how busy, no matter where you are. Right. Kind of cool. Anyhow. And so we're in Kirkhoff Hall. So we take the kids back there and I walked in, I was like, Oh, this is going to be completely different. It wasn't that different. I mean, it wasn't that different. It was kind of scary because it had been many, many years, like 30 or something. Yeah. 30. Whoa. And it was like, I think some of the same furniture. I'm not even kidding me. Not, not even kidding you even. Um, crazy. But anyway, there's Kirkhoff Hall. So it was kind of fun. And also it was the place where I had my very first show solo singer songwriter performance. I had a band in high school called The Void. I'm not kidding. The Void. The Void. 1980s. Did cover covers. Talking Heads and U2 and English Beat and um, did a good cover of Peter Gunn. I look, I'm not going to go down all the way memory lane here. I'm just going to go part. I'm going to stay on the right side. I'm going to go part, part way down. Anyway, the reason I brought up Kirkhoff Hall is because, um, and I'll talk about what I'm talking about, but, uh, this one time we were studying and there was this group of people and the other kind of, and they were being really loud and kind of obnoxious. And one of the girls in that group was not the nicest person. And we, I don't even know what the, what the, what instigated me going, dude, you should do this. You should do this. I was always the guy like you should do it and change me like, yeah, all right, fine. Um, and so I was like, go up to her and just go up to her and just be like, Hey, I noticed that you were, um, looking at me. Uh, and so he did right in front of all of our friends, he walked up to the group and he's like, so I noticed, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, you know, you know, I'm sitting across the, the little room there, but I noticed that you were, uh, you know, kind of looking at me and, and, uh, and it was the greatest thing he did it. Like, and it was just, I couldn't have, couldn't have. And, and then later I heard her in the hallway with a friend. She's like, Oh my God, that guy was like, he, I totally was not checking him out, but like, Oh my, can you believe that? It was just like, Oh, so good. So good. Mm. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I don't know why, but that's what re- reminded me of it because of the Greek that you guys get the, the train of thought here. James also was a philosophy major. He double majored in history because he's smarter than I am. Also extremely good at language. He and I both took Italian because we thought the Italian one teacher was attractive. <clears throat> and so we just thought that's a reason to take a language that I'll never use ever again. Uh, so I took four quarters of Italian. Didn't do that well. He did very, very well. Anyway, he lists, he reads my blog and he sent me an email, which got me thinking. So I'm going to quote the email. I told him I was going to mention this, by the way. It's not going to be like a thing. Um, and here's the quote. Uh, and I hope you guys are doing well, by the way. So I hope you're doing well. Thank you for the people who came on board this week uh, for the Patreon thing. The live Q&As were super cool. and and uh, But a couple of people came in as, as Patreon supporters. Thank you very much. I think, uh, um, whatever you guys know how I feel about that. Thank you so much. Oh, and the other bit of news is I think I'm going to start another fast tomorrow. <clears throat> I think I'm gonna do like a 36 hour one. I'm going to, I'm going to finish dinner tonight and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to go the whole next day and the whole next night and then break it in the morning. <clears throat> so I'm not going to go like a thing I did before, which was like 72 hours. I'm just going to like a 36 hours just a break from coffee, from everything, just kind of reset the clock a little bit. You guys know how it is, right? Mm. Still going to run. Tomorrow, I'm just going to not run hard. He wrote in the email, quote, I spent a lot of time in Denmark, which he, Denmark, which he has. He's like the prince. I'm just joking. Um, I've, it's a, it's a, it's a reference, it's a stupid freaking erudite reference. I, I want to kick my own ass right now. I've spent a, quite a lot of time of, quote, I've spent a lot of quite, 
quote. I've spent quite a lot of time in, and when you say quote, you have to be able to read what's after the quote. Like that's a prerequisite of quoting people. You have to actually be able to read the language. Quote, I've spent quite a lot of time in Denmark, where at present the country is on total lockdown because there are not enough healthcare resources. Now he wrote this last week. I don't know if this is still the case, but they never speak of rights first. They always speak of responsibilities first. Imagine if a politician got up and said, each and every one of you has a right to health, but you have to take responsibility for being healthy because if you don't, you impose a cost on the rest of us. That's what James wrote him, him, himself. And I, it really got me thinking of the, of the, the difference between right and responsibility and, and how the line there, and this is why the p- title of this episode is called The Right Stuff, because we, we tend to, at least in the United States, we talk about you know, r- gun ownership, the right, uh, we have the right to, we have the right to this and the right to that and the right to this. But there's another aspect of that, which is, of course, in the ethical umbrella for me, but that's the responsibility of it. It's like, just because we have the right to do something, if we, if we acknowledge, a resp- if we want to do this well, I mean, if we want to do the day-to-day living in a country well, then we have to consider what is our responsibility. And that may be different from the right that we have. And also just because you then take the responsibility and act a certain way doesn't mean that you're trying to take the rights away from somebody else or that you have to get rid of the that right you have to undo that right just because you're going to your because of your sense of responsibility means that you're going to do an action that is in contradiction to that right does does that make I hope that makes sense because I don't if it does will you email me because I have no idea what I just said my point is is that we have a we have a we're we're in this time now with a with the virus being around that we we have the right to to do like we have the right not to take care of ourselves we have the right not to be not to respect other people's spaces we can walk up to somebody it's not we're going to get arrested for it but there's a responsibility so while we have a right not to take care of ourselves let's say but do we have a responsibility to do so do we have a responsibility to to go above and beyond the plain old rights and what is that going to mean for our society. I find it interesting um, that the sort of do unto others that we, we we sort of conceptually understand. We always go, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We get it, but we don't live it kind of thing. And it's like, do unto others can't be do unto others only when we're not stressed and everything's good and we're in a good mood. That, that That's not the end of do unto others so that, as you would have them do unto you. That's not the end. The end doesn't say as long as you're in a good mood and you can pull that off. It can't be, you know, do unto others uh, unless you're so stressed that you buy all the toilet paper on the shelf and fuck everybody else. And what's, what is it with the toilet paper? I mean, there's theories, but it's just the weirdest, it's the weird, that's not the thing, that's not the go, that's not the thing. I mean, I can, I'm going to get groceries. I could survive without toilet paper. Like I actually could survive without toilet paper. There's the way, there's 17 other things that are more crucial than toilet paper. So what is that weird thing going on? What is the weird thing going on? Is I, it, you know, because it's, it's made in China and they're afraid it's going to, I don't even know what the, I don't know what the irrational thing is about that. And it is irrational. <clears throat> it's irrational. My mother-in-law went to Costco yesterday. Yeah. They're in stock on tons of stuff. Just not toilet paper. Huh? Americans, we have, there's, if there's one thing we have, it's our priorities are set. We, we, we really have our priorities in the right place. I mean, we know that it's important to stock up on toilet paper in crisis that we know that that's, that's why we're, we're doing great. That's why we're doing great. Um, 
is just the weirdest thing in the world. It's just, it's freaking me out. Anyways, and it's like a ripple effect. It's making me think I got to stock up on toilet paper. Don't make me think I got to stock up on toilet paper because you have the weird Freudian thing about toilet paper. That's that's your problem. Don't then make force me to think about do I need to stock up on toilet paper because you're buying it out on the thing. You cause a ripple effect on that. It's your fault. You have a responsibility to not be an asshole. See how I did that? You have a right to be an asshole. I'm not saying that. You have a right to be an asshole, but you have a responsibility not to be, especially in this time of stress. I did not think I was going to relate toilet paper to this discussion of right versus responsibility, by the way. But the discussion of rights without the discussion of responsibility is this culture right now, is, this, is, is the culture, at least pre-coronavirus, which is, uh, the, again, like the gun owners who, who, who stop right at the point of I have a right to own guns and so they sort of make that jump of so therefore I will own gun and you can't take them away from me and not do I have a responsibility to consider what my actions are going to be in the context of a society and most of us still in this country today and I mean literally today we have the right to get gather in crowds we have the right to gather in crowds we could call our friends and we go you know what we still have a right to do this and so therefore, we should exercise that right because if we say, you know, we haven't right to, but we have responsibility to society at large to not gather because it's going to make the virus potentially spread faster than it should, we, to not have that discussion is juvenile. It's a five-year-old's way of looking at the world to say, it's my right to do this and th- that's bec- so then I'm going to do it. it it's, a, it's not a necessary jump to say because you have a right to do something, then you should naturally do that thing. We can preserve the right and understand the responsibility that sometimes there's a time and a place where it's not okay to do the thing that you have a right to do. And this is all, by the way, the, there's an exception to this. And I mean this is the only exception to this whole discussion is for all the kids in spring break in Florida who are gathering in groups and, and, and just in spite of all the warnings out there, th- that group is an exception. They have a right to do that. And a responsibility to party their asses off. Shutters open to dark, but you said it'd be light again so here I am 